0: Let today be the day that you take your life back and no longer be held back by your past, your failures, your mistakes, and other people's opinions. Let today be the day you are no longer content with your present situations, but driven by the want inside you. The want to no longer live check to check. The want to live a healthy life. The want to help others. The want to be successful in your own way. And the ultimate want of all. The want to leaving a legacy for your family. Generations after generations. Today, stamp your passport once again to Successville. Going from great to greater, thank you for joining me, Demetrius L. Brown, on this flight. My Passport to Success podcast Let the journey begin. Hi, my name is Demetrius L. Brown, and I want to thank you for joining me today for my podcast, My Passport to Success. People connect success to a lot of things like money, powerful relationships, a great career, they businesses, and the list goes on. All those things are great, but they are only products of a person's true success, which is understanding and operating in their purpose. You don't have to be a millionaire or a billionaire or famous to be successful. To me, true success is operating in your God-given purpose, building your legacy, and reaching back to help other people to operate in their purpose. My Passport to Success podcast is a platform I use to help people first recognize, then equip, and motivate them to operate in their purpose, a level of success no one can take from them. Today, I am honored to have with me a young man who's been successful in many areas of his life and help others reach levels of success. I want to introduce to you the co-founder of Hidden Beach Records, Mr. Charles Whitfield.
1: What's up, Deep brown How you doing, my brother?
0: I'm doing great, man. We're in the holiday week. Okay. What does a person like you, who's been all over the world, know every celebrity, every star, <laughs> what do you do for the holidays, man? Do you wind down or do you just you blow it up
1: no i wind down and uh enjoy spending time with my family and just like everybody else thanksgiving is that time that you reflect and you're thankful for all the blessings that you have and i'm certainly um very blessed and don't take it for granted and also very thankful to be able to do what i do for a living but also at the same time never forget to give back to others because my parents truly raised uh me and my brother that way to truly give back to others and uh That's what we that's what we stand by. And that's what we do,
0: man. That's great. It's all about giving back. You said your parents taught you how to give back. Now, did you grow up in a two parent household? Fortunately,
1: I did grow up in a two parent household. My parents were blessed to be married for 64 years before my my pops passed away. uh, April of 2018. Um, And at the end of the day, like I said, they they were fortunately uh, fortunate to be blessed. With marriage for 64 plus years, they met when they were in college. My dad was a, anti-aggie, and my mom was a, my mom was a Bennett Bell. man.
0: now, what did you attend school at?
1: I'll be upfront and candid that I'm a NCCU eagle, <laughs> a, a proud eagle. But as just a proud eagle as I am, my dad was definitely a very proud Aggie, and actually had a lot to do with the construction of Nancy's football stadium. He was one of the ma- major fundraisers for the football stadium. So, literally, uh, in my mom's um, residence today is a plaque um, commemorating my dad being the leading money getter for raising money for Antiques Football Stadium. And he was a diehard through and through Aggie. He was in the Aggie Club. He bled blue and gold. And it's funny that when I used to play basketball at Central, he would put on a Central uh, top just long enough to go to the game. So, he would support <laughs> me. But as soon as the game was over, he was back to Aggie pride. So I salute him. And, you know, I did everything growing up, as I tell people, um, at Auntie other than go to school. And even when I went to Central, one summer I actually even attended Auntie for summer school. So, oh, wow. So <laughs> the, rivalry is, the rivalry is deep, but I got a lot of friends that are Aggies, just like the, the Aggies got a lot of friends that Eagles. And then they almost kind of go hand in hand with each other. And people call it a rivalry, which it can be. And I know Auntie just, Beat us this past weekend, but
0: man, they whipped y'all, man. Just,
1: yeah, I know they—they <laughs> they did whip us, in. they've had I know the last couple of years. And I think i, I think I haven't have been to an Aggie Eagle Classic probably in about four years. I took my daughter to the last one. I remember going to up at auntie that we did win. Sometimes it's hard to give Auntie credit, but I'm the first to say Auntie's homecomings have always—and I know my Eagles that may be listening. I gonna want to hear this. But their homecomings. <laughs> Have always been been more fun to attend than ours. It just is what it is. Ours are fun. Aggies is just doing a little different.
0: I'm I'm, I'm gonna say this too, right? I'm originally from Durham, and I've been going to I've been going to Central's homecoming since I was young. Matter of fact, I tell my wife this I've been I've been a freshman at Central since I was in middle school, (laughs) going to freshman orientation. Yeah, that's probably how I
1: look at (laughs) Auntie because you know, but Auntie really did help raise me. And all jokes aside, because. I had a, 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 bro, a older brother slash friend growing up in Chris Brown, and uh, Chris would take me over to Moore Gym and uh, play against some of the aunties basketball players. Whether it was Ice Griffiths from back in the day or Chucky Becton, and okay. literally Chris would take me. I'd be in eighth and ninth grade, and he had me over there playing against those guys. But playing against those guys in Moore Gym, if anybody from you know the late '80s on up remember playing in Moore Gym that was the best basketball you could play in Greensboro. And I, I owe, I owe ANT a lot as I was blessed to get a scholarship to, uh, to central um, coach Corbett didn't really recruit me. So I actually, you know, chose to go to NC central and, and funny enough, didn't even play a lot at central in high school at Greensboro page. I was a, uh, you know, MVP at a little four, all conference, all city. But when I got to college, um, didn't play that much, but, didn't complain about it. I was like, Hey, you know, I'm not going to the pros anyway. Let me at least get my degree at central, uh, which I did in, in criminal justice with the monitoring business. And, you know, I made some, you know, really good connections down there from, you know, my best friend Darren white to, you know, meeting my wife Robin, who I met through my friend Darren. And, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, I owe a lot to central, but, you know, quite honestly, I owe a lot to N.C. as well as Bennett because, If it wasn't for Auntie or Bennett, my parents might have not met. So if they wouldn't (laughs) have met, I can't say I would be here. So at the end of the day, you know, I hear people say Aggie pride, and they do, and I'm definitely eagle pride amplified. But at the end of the day, it's a blessing of all HBCUs. Oh, yes. Because to me, they're all like a fraternity and sorority, and that's how I treat them.
0: So question now, like you just said, all HBCUs are a blessing. Now, Mm -hmm. you went from playing sports to mm-hmm. playing basketball to actually running, owning, starting one of the number one labels out here, Hidden Beach. How uh-huh. how did that transition happen?
1: Um, the transition to Hidden Beach was one that was a huge blessing. When I was in uh when I was growing up, I had my older brother Fred, um, who's actually the president and co-chairman or vice chairman of the Charlotte Hornets. We had a 10-year age gap. And as I was growing up in Greensboro, like everybody, they wanted to hang with their big brother. And I was no different. And growing up in Greensboro, when I would ride with him, I had to listen to what he listened to in the the car. So we went from Earth, Wind & Fire (laughs) to the Osley Brothers to Parliament to Cameo to Michael McDonald. Um, And so the police. So growing up with my brother gave me a very diverse listening ear. And the crazy thing is, you know, fortunately, my brother's been blessed enough to, to be in business with Michael Jordan for over 20 plus years. And literally, Michael Jordan was responsible for what ended up becoming Hidden Beach. And the reason I say that is with the of Space Jam, with the I Believe I Can Fly song by R. Kelly, I saw that success. And that's when soundtracks were really popular. If you remember Love Jones or yes, yes. Boys in the Hood or you can think of you can go over – um. With the Whitney Houston um, soundtrack, The Bodyguard. Bodyguard. I mean, yes. there was so yeah. many, and probably actually one of my favorite soundtracks to this day. And I know a lot of people who are listening are going to say the same thing, was Love Jones to yes. this day.
0: Yes, I yes. I
1: love the Love Jones, but it's so many. And so after the success of Space Jam that came out on Warner Brothers, it really gave me an idea. When I was in college, I worked at the record store in Central. But after I saw the success of Space Jam, I remember one day, You know, I had I said something to Michael because he was truly like a big brother to me. And I said something like, man, how cool would it be if we could start a record label? And he said, man, (laughs) think a little bit bigger than that. Let's not just start a record label. I mean, um, how cool would it be? Could we start a record store? Excuse me. And I said, hey, that could be cool because I had the experience. I worked at a a CD store. It was called CD Superstore in Durham. um, And I started working there in 1989. And the cool thing was I used to go in there every Tuesday for new releases. And we'd go pick up jazz to the point that one day, the lady came, when I came in there, she said, man, do you want a job? Because every Tuesday you were in here and you're picking up new music. Uh, uh,
0: me, me, hold on, hold on, me, hold on, hold on, let me interrupt you. Now, you said okay. you, you were in college going to buy jazz, no hip-hop or none of that, but nah, you was going so, to I mean,
1: I, bought ja- I know I bought jazz and hip-hop because I was diverse. I bought R&B and hip-hop, but my main focus at that point when I was in college, I went through a jazz phase. And I went through, and I can name you, artists that i like to listen to from david sanborn to grover washington yes to kirk Whalem. and ironically enough the gentleman i helped start hitting beats with is a gentleman named steve mckeever um spelled m-c capital k-e-e-v-e-r and steve worked at motown in the early 90s when boys the men came out queen latifah came out but i met him because he started a jazz label called Mo Jazz. If anybody remembers it, yes. it was capital M, small O, capital J, A-Z-Z, and the first artist on MoJazz Records was a brother, a guitar player named Norman Brown. And Norman uh, was a Grammy Award winner, but I used to process the new releases, and they would come in on Monday from your manufacturers and we go through and, 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 and put them on the shelves for release each Tuesday. Now the new release cycle is on a Friday, but in those days, it was on a Tuesday. So literally, I would get out of class. I probably got out of 1040 Central class by 1120. I was at CD Superstore. It was probably 15 minutes from campus. It was in Brightleaf Square in Durham. Every Tuesday, I was in that store, and I would go in there, and they would have a shelf where they put the new releases. And literally, like I said, I can tell you from Kirk Whalum to the Yellow Jackets to um, – Bowley James's first CD to Kenny G, George Duke, The Yellow Jackets, Grover Washington Jr., George Howard, wow, uh, wow. Marion Meadows, I can name them. Uh, uh, Bob James, Fourplay. I can go on and on. And cause literally, I was passionate about the music. And when I finally did meet Steve McKeever, who would end up being my boss at Hidden Beach, he could tell I was so passionate about the music, because I was. And Lily, that was one of the slogans we had at Hidden Beach. It was emotion on tape. Every artist that we worked with at Hidden Beach, you could see that emotion not only in on tape, you could hear that passion. And we get into some of the artists. So,
0: so since we are right here with artists, okay. and I'm interrupt you. Now, how was it discovering, working with the beautiful Jill Scott?
1: It was an amazing experience, and I will always take credit for stuff that I do, and I will always give credit to others for stuff that they did. I did not discover Jill Scott. I was part of a team to help work with her. Um, My boss, uh, Steve McKeever, actually was turned on to Jill from several different people. Uh, One, our business affairs attorney named Roger Patton, who actually used to represent Jazzy Jeff, who actually Jeff signed Jill to his production company, A Touch of Jazz, And that's who actually helped do uh, Jill's first album. So I think uh, Roger tried to turn Steve on. Um, Jeff tried to turn Steve on. And, And I think either was it Roger or Jeff who got Steve Jill's initial demo. And I think it was four songs on there. And one of the songs on there was A Long Walk. That ended up becoming a staple on her first record. But when I initially heard it, like everybody... They thought I was like, man, it sounded a little bit like Erica Badu, because Erica was already out. And I would definitely agree that Long Walk did sound or remind you a little bit of of Erica to pay you know respect to Erica. But as we I, as we had the other songs on the demo, I think um, Long Walk was on there, uh, Love Rain was on there. So it was Jill's talent right away, because it was so, several songs in her demo that did end up making. Who is Jill Scott? And I remember the first time I met Jill was in LA when we had brought her out. And Jill is real. What you see is what you get. And I remember <laughs> after after a day of meetings, me and Jill went and hung out and we went to this this porch poetry place. Because anybody knows Jill, knows she was come, you know, really came up in the poetry scene in Philly um as a spoken word artist. And we went, I took her to this this place called Fado Do. I remember it like it was yesterday, and we went in there. I remember it was an open mic on a Friday night. And I remember asking the lady, hey, I'm here with a friend of mine, you know, Jill Scott, she's visiting town from Philly. Can I get her on the list to perform? And the lady was like, yeah, we'll put her on the list. And, you know, told me they put Jill's name on the list. And they kept calling the different poets and poets. And I remember me and Jill sat in there. And it was good for us. It was really our first time hanging out. And, you know, we were just hanging out, having something to eat and, and a few, you know, cocktails with conversation and the one thing I remember is the lady never got to put Jill on stage. And it got to be about 12:30, and I said, Jill, you still want to hold in there and stay? She's like, Nah, let's let's roll out. And you know, believe me, when, once I get to be a name, we're gonna come back in this place,
0: and they're gonna <laughs> want they're
1: gonna want me to perform. And I'm gonna say, you know what? I tried to come here and perform, and y'all didn't let me. So I'm gonna just come in here tonight and just let everybody else perform. When you could have had Jill Scott, Jill Scott's just gonna be here being a regular customer listening to poetry. And that's the first night me and Jill hung out. And it was just something about her personality then that I was like, man, this is a star right here because she wasn't cocky with it, but she knew the talent that she possessed. And, you know, it was just something about Jill that, you know, what you see is what you get when people ask, how was it to work with her? And to this day, Jill is still a great friend. And even when, you know, I had an unfortunate car accident um, last year that, put me out of commission for a while and and jill would check on me and that one time was it about music it was about i'm checking on you as a friend wow and at the end of the day i had so many artists that will get into some that i worked with but some of them were really checking on me as a person not about an employee or employer or a musician but as a friend and that's the one thing that i've totally been blessed over the years with music to make some incredible friendships.
0: Now, who are some other artists that you can call friend?
1: Mike Phillips, was another artist, he was the third artist I worked with on Hidden Beach. You know, Mike actually was the saxophonist and musician for my wedding. And actually, I think my wife had a Celine Dion song that she wanted Mike to learn. And I remember calling, or I can't <laughs> remember, it might have not even been, a, it was something like that. I remember calling Mike and saying, bro, you got to learn this song because well, my wife didn't want to come down on Here Comes the Bride. She wanted to come down on that song. And Mike said, man, not too many people I'm going to learn this for. But for you, I'm going to do it. And he did do it. And it was great. And, you know.
0: I say, I know Mike he murdered Phillips,
1: it. <laughs> yeah, Mike Phillips and uh, Marcus Johnson, who's a keyboard player. Yes. Good friend. And actually a bass player named Chip Sharon. Yes. Who's played with Marion Meadows and a lot of people. And that was my core of my wedding band. And literally... My wedding was over at uh, in Greensboro at Providence Church. And my reception at the time was the Sheraton. I think it was the Sheraton, which then ended up becoming the Marriott downtown. But that was my wedding band. And I always tell Cass. and we had a drummer. I, I, sorry to, to say I can't remember the brother's name, but he was a drummer that I actually got helping me put the sound was uh, Sam Hamlin. Sam put the sound together for my wedding band. And Sam still does sound in Greensboro to this day. And wow. Sam found me the drummer and I, I will I will definitely get his name and give it to you. So I don't because he <laughs> came in and man, everybody's like, man, I like can play with you got these three, you know, and this drummer picked right in. And, and that was my band. And to this day, uh, 20 years later, I always tell those guys, no, I appreciate y'all because y'all held me down on that day. And I know I did my part because I was responsible for the music to this day. I don't remember much about that day because it was all a blur, but I know the music was tight. (laughs) So the music (laughs) was tight. you had Mike at the wedding, then you got to the reception and and Mike and Marcus Johnson and Chip Sharon with my band. Hey, I did my part. My part was tight.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, you've been married 20 years. Now, throughout the process of the music business and working radio, did it take a toll on
1: your marriage or
0: how how did that balance out?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. How can it not? Because – a lot of times I was on the road traveling and doing different things, but the, the thing is, is, my wife, we were, we dated, we met my junior year in college, and we dated probably eight years, so I pretty much ran that to the max. And to the time when we finally got <laughs> married, my wife knew pretty much who I was and came to, you know, later we got married in Greensboro, but I lived in L.A. a year, and she stayed in, in Raleigh where she worked planning the wedding, and, you know, ironic thing was I literally flew out about a month before we got married. I flew out and, and we drove her car across country and we road tripped to kind of was almost like, Hey, let's have a bonding experience driving cross country. We took our time, took us like four days and, and we stopped at the Grand Canyon and, you know, did different things and just took time to road trip. And that's kind of what led us in to getting married. But of course it definitely paid a toll, but I also, had a had a young you know young wife that believed in my career and and let me live my dream and you know I appreciate her, appreciate her for doing that because it definitely was a sacrifice but she loved music as well and got to be a good friend of Jill Scott, Mike Phillips, you know Asia from Kendrick, Patti from Kendrick. Mm. So literally the artists that we worked with along the way, you know she had to be good friends with them because she supported what we did. So did it take a toll? Yes, but she she stuck behind me and and let me live my dream. And I, and she always, whatever I worked in, when we lived in L.A., when I was doing the label, she was working at IT for USC.
0: That you work in radio now, an industry that's slower than the record business. How is it at home now?
1: And now that I work in radio here, she works in procurement for a manufacturing company, and they make school bus parts. Oh, wow. So it's totally different in my field, but imagine when I'm coming home talking about you know, literally, I got something. I'm shooting something with Anthony Hamilton tomorrow um, on something that we're doing with the Hornets. Um, and so imagine our conversations when we come home and I'm talking about, you know, my day at <laughs> work where we had anybody from Tank in the office to Common to Kevin Hart. And this is in my radio job. Now,
0: when you're at work and you hear a record that you worked on and you put out, what does that moment feel like?
1: It's not many days, that I'm not in work at. I work at a cluster radio station in Charlotte called Beasley Media Group, and I know you know you shouted out iHeart, where this is a part of. But iHeart actually, if you go on Alexa, iHeart is actually um, is tied into the Beas- um, distributing. Yeah, yes. Beasley. Yeah. But it's not it's not one day that I'm not at work working. I work in integrated marketing. I I have several accounts that I handle from Live Nation to the Hornets. Uh, I do a big anti-bully program with CMS. Live Nation is my client. But it's not one day I'm not at, at work in V101.9 or Power 98, which are two urban states. It's not one day that I'm not going to hear a Jill Scott song. or I'm not going to hear an Anthony Hamilton song. or I'm mm-hmm. not going to hear Mike Phillips on a break with Tone X. So every day, my, <laughs> it's almost like my past collides with my future. And when the song So In Love that Jill ended up doing with Anthony me and Anthony's manager, Eli Davis, who's a Greensboro native and one of my good friends. Yes, Eli Eli got me got me the, the the demo, and I got it to Jill. And Jill was going through relationship problems, or not really problems, but just going through situations, stuff that happens in relationships. And she wasn't really in the headspace to write about being happy at that time. And that song literally sat for about two and a half years. And when she did finally get to the point where she was comfortable writing about it the rest was history and when i heard it i was like man this is great and you know from there um me and eli were fortunate enough that we you know we hooked them up and they did a they did a uh they did a video for the song because that's when you know not the videos are not still done but they were out a little more proper then and they did a video together and then from there we're blessed that they went on tour that song together and so we were able to you know from a song and that song stayed number one on Urban AC radio for I think it was uh, nineteen weeks that summer. Wow. And it's one of those things where one of those things where you scratch your head and I'm a Grammy voting member and I've been one for fifteen plus years. I'm a member of NARIS, which is the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences. And one of the things that I scratch my head on is how did that song not get voted for a Grammy nomination? Not only did we not win a Grammy, the song didn't even get a nomination.
2: Wow. <laughs> and, yeah.
1: And it's one of those things to this day. I asked Steve, who was my boss at the I was like, man, what happened with that? Because I, it was on the charts for 19 weeks, and it couldn't get nominated. You know, it's one of those things that, some to this day I don't understand. But it didn't, a Grammy never nominated, never motivated Jill or Anthony, who both won them and a ton of nominations. But, you know, from that song, we were able to, to put them on the road together. And I love to this day when I'm on listening to V101.9, And So In Love comes on, and, you know, (laughs) it's just a beautiful thing. And it's it's one of my favorite Jill songs, Anthony Hamilton songs. I tell Anthony to this day, one of my favorite Anthony Hamilton songs is coming where I'm from. And funny enough, I was blessed to connect with Anthony, the producer, Mark Batson, who's worked on a lot of stuff with Anthony. I literally had a conversation with Mark this past Saturday, funny enough, and told him, I don't care what how many Anthony songs he puts out there, that's always gonna be one of my favorites because it truly is to me about Anthony coming from where he's from in Charlotte and yeah. living here in Charlotte and being around him. He's truly that way. And I mean, don't get me wrong, he has plenty of hits. Charlene, oh yeah, you know, yes. so many other ones, point of it all, which I love. But it's always gonna, and just that beat, man, when it comes <laughs> on the production, like boom. I always yeah. tell him, I said, man, that's my that that's one of my favorites it's it's not that, it's, all, it's always
0: that one song you know everybody yeah. got a whole it, bunch of hits and
1: it's funny <laughs> and, and it's certain Jill Scott songs i mean one of my favorite Jill Scott songs that's not never was never a single but it was on her second album it was a song called spring summer feeling and mm. if you can remember that record it actually was produced by Raphael Sadiq and another brother named Kelvin Wooten who Kelvin actually produced a lot of stuff with Andy Anthony and actually a, a very solid producer in his own right. You know, they, you know, him and Raphael worked together doing some songs. They worked on some stuff with Tree That was great. But that song, Spring, Summer, Feeling," And if you guys don't remember, familiar with that song, go on the CD, um, Jill's second album. I'm explaining enough. up on as much as I worked on it. It was um, Jill Scott volume two, but the song was Spring, Summer, Feeling." And that to my, to this, and I tell you that all the time, I said, believe me, I love the singles golden, you know, all the different <laughs> singles that we have, but it was something about spring summer feeling that to this day, when you hear it, it's just like, man, it's one of my favorite Jill songs and it, it never was a single never was intended to be, it was an album cut and it was a great album cut. And I love album cuts just as much as I love singles. Cause oh, to yes. me it's <laughs> album cuts help at that time, help make an album, which now everything is about, individual songs and streaming which you know don't get me wrong I've adopted adapted to the times I was literally sitting in, in my bed listening <laughs> to music and I'm sitting on top of my bed right now talking to you on my iPhone you know um, got your music dude, queued up music right here <laughs> my, my, my record yeah. store is, is right here on, in my hand and yeah. I had over 2,000 uh, CDs that are all in storage somewhere here in Charlotte I caught over 1,500 albums I have I have one album that's in my house right now. And it was an album that my father-in-law, uh, Robert Scales, who, uh, blessed his soul, he has auntie graduates, passed on. But he loved music and he gave me a George Howard
0: album. Oh, wow. Okay.
1: And that Classic. is the only <laughs> album that I have in my house right now. And all my albums, they are in storage here, as well as my CDs, you now- know.
0: Now, let me ask you a question. Now, we're talking about albums. So I'm seeing a a trend, and the trend is vinyl is making its way back. And Mm -hmm. I I see, I think, vinyl this year made $8 million and even the the sale of um, of turntables. So me, you know, me and one of my uh, co-hosts, when I used to be on 102 Jams, me and mm-hmm. Waleed, you, you familiar yep, with Waleed?
1: I, I am familiar. I'm definitely familiar with Waleed.
0: Yep, me and, and Waleed, we'll go back and forth. So I told him CD sales to me were never dead. I believe the artistry was dead. And once people stopped developing artists, people stopped saying, okay, hey, if I'm, go, I'm only getting the two songs that I hear on the radio and the rest of the album is mm-hmm. garbage, that's what I believe streaming came from.
1: I, I don't believe... Yeah, no, nah, the, yeah. <laughs> the, the records didn't go, but I'm going to tell you what happened with the trend when the when the CD stores or stores started closing down. I'm going to tell you the CD chain, in my opinion, that hurt urban music and jazz music and hip-hop the most was when Circus City went out of business. Mm. Circus City went out of business because real, real mom-and-pop record stores or CD stores, to some degree, in a few markets, Atlanta being one, Greensboro used to have a great uh, independent school kids records. And, uh, and Willys. Willies, Yeah. <laughs> um, great. I used, I used to go to Willies and Summit Avenue every time I yes. would come home and buy. You know, So, some, but school kids over there near UNCG was where I really started going in because, man, they had a thing where, and this really helped shape my career, honestly. They had a thing where you could rent records. You could rent records. Oh, wow.
0: I didn't and know that.
1: And my dad, what you have to do is they would give you, you had to write a check at the time that you could give them the check the hold the check and then you got to rent a record almost like a blockbuster, uh, VHS. And that's when I would go in there and I'm, you know, I, I'm hope i the copyright people don't come get me, but <laughs> everybody that I'm not the only one that would take an album and record it onto a cassette tape. Yeah. But that's why I started learning. And I had the, my, my dad's check had so many holes in it from where I would take the check and Take it again. And the guys knew me. <laughs> I say, Dad, after about another two months, I need another one. And it's funny how um, I, made, I made a career in the business because my parents would be like, man, you're in the music so much. But I ended up making a career out, career out of it. But, if, you know, my thing is, I think what really hurt CD sales is when Circuit City went out of business. They thought, oh, well, Best Buy or Target or Walmart will pick up that slack. But and it, it never happened. Yeah, it, it never didn't. happened. And so even when Tower Records, like I remember Jill's first record, I remember us being in New York City for her press and under Tower Records in New York was Jill's, we did an in-store at Tower um, at, in at, New York. At and 12 a.m., right? At 12 a.m., and then we yeah. did one in <laughs> Philly. And then the crazy thing was, was four albums later, that that uh, record store, and uh, Virgin and Times Square, was shut down. Yeah, yeah. And it just, but from Tower to Virgin, all those rec, popular record stores went, I mean, they were all out of business. I lived in LA. I used to go to Tower on Sunset on Saturday afternoon, man. And I would just prowl through the record, the jazz bands to see what I could find. And man, when you go through it now, man, even when I go back to LA now and you ride by Tower Records where it was and it's not there anymore, it's like, God. Yeah. Is, yeah. It's the business but I mean, but don't get me wrong, I'm one of the main ones that every Friday now at midnight, I'll stay up while I'll go to bed and wake up. And hey, the new Rhapsody came out or, or Heather <laughs> Victoria, who I'm giving, you know, Knife Wonder who I have worked with on some stuff, some props with what he's been able to make with Jamla Records or the Foreign Exchange projects, the people that I love. Those guys are great. Or, you know, that's a new it's a new brother named Jason Jet. I was listening to mm-hmm. for you called. He just put out a good new EP, but I'm able to wake up at, at you go to at 12 o'clock, just like the joy I got when I bought it, found a new CD. Now all I got to do is go to iTunes and see what's in there. And then you can, you know, instead of purchasing, which sometimes I purchase, but Hey, I can click stream and stream it, Yeah, you know? And yeah. so the beautiful thing is you got to keep up with the times and, you know, a lot of the urban consumers sometimes are late to the game, but now with, you know, a lot of my the kids, my daughters, my daughters, eight, seven years old in second grade, and man, she has Alexa hooked up doing stuff. When we walk into the house, and I'm sitting there like, how did
2: you do
1: that? <laughs> and she's teaching me stuff about yeah. Alexa, and she's in second grade, and I swear she knows more, knows more about Alexa, and I'm not afraid to say it than I do. And it shows how technology to the younger kids they're learning it and you know literally when they're in and in, in, in daycare yeah because they growing up with fake iphones in daycare and so now when you see them with their ipad my daughter can get an ipad and know how to navigate and get on youtube and of course we um you know we the parental consent and we have a um you know we have a um a streaming account through netflix and my daughter has her children's netflix and you go <laughs> so, to the tv and they say who's who's on olivia robin and charles and so <laughs> she's got the whole lineup <laughs> i got mine and mine is the quincy jones documentary which is great <laughs> and uh, the class abot documentary and olivia has her her cartoons and my wife has her movies and, and and that's our netflix but it ain't just me and my wife so olivia's got her own netflix so
0: she's how to set it up
1: <laughs> and i knows how to set it up and, and a lot of times set it up better than i do and i'm not afraid to say it and that just shows the, the way technology is
0: oh yeah and, and and too like today you you said something about about the music now me me um co-owning fubu radio mm-hmm. and every time we go somewhere to these big markets it's mm-hmm. so funny, we we're set up beside you know the, the hometown radio stations, absolutely. But, but people flock over to the FUBU
1: Radio. It's like, oh, yeah. man,
0: man, we love Fugu, you know. Us, by us. <laughs>
1: yeah. And it's, it's like a brand, it's yeah. a brand, and and it's a brand that, and that's what we wanted to do with Hidden Beach, and that's what Mo Jazz meant to me. It was like I didn't know, and that honestly, that's how I got to learn my boss, Steve McKeever. Yes. Everything Mo Jazz records put out from Norman Brown. To Wayman Tisdale, to Impromptu, Mm. to uh, Perez with it, to a a great young Sax player, man, that so much reminded me he has swag like Mike Phillips, was a young gentleman who's unfortunately passed away named Jay Spencer. Yes. And so many artists on Mojazz, man, I might not know who they were, but they were on Mojazz. I bought it. And that's what we wanted Hidden Beach to be like. You might not know who Jeff Bradshaw was, but guess what? He was on Hidden Beach. You might not know who Mike was, and we helped get Mike out there by putting him on the first Unwrapped series, and then he played on Jill's live record. But you might not know who Mike was, and what we had a way of doing is even for the – we had Hidden Beach Recordings Presents. You have reached Mike Phillips. Hidden mm, Beach Recordings man. Presents. Yes. Jeff Bradshaw. So at the end of the day, Hidden Beach Presents. Keith Young, who was an artist we had that was actually – we got through Wayman Tisdale, who He was Wayman's nephew. So Hidden Beach Presents. Sonny Hawkins. Uh Hinton Beach presents uh Onisha, who ended up singing background and still is a background singer for Janet Jackson. So you wow. might not necessarily know those names, but by that time the HB logo and, and each what we did was something very unique that Steve did was in every CD we did from the first anybody that knows that had the and Beach CDs, we actually wrote a thank you card to the consumer.
0: Yes. Yeah. And
1: think about think about that. Who does that? Because guess what? You had already already bought the product. (laughs) You already bought it. And when you open it up, if anybody can remember opening up a Jill Scott CD or a Kendrick CD or Mike Phillips or an Unwrapped, Steve would write popular liner notes like is what he did at Mojazz. And that's how I got to know about Wayman and his story and Jay Spencer and Norman and Impromptu. Steve would write these very cool liner notes. And then he did the same thing at Hidden Beach underneath the CD, case so if you had the clear case that's where the line of notes would be and he'd tell a story about either how we signed them or what was key to the project or some unique tad bit but inside we'd always write he'd always do those thank you we put thank you note on the front and on the back would be our catalog we were always branding it was always about branding. and we and i saw branding and one of the things with michael jordan which i was blessed to he was a majority investor in Hidden Beach and. And then we did a lot of stuff with Jordan Brand. We did a, a, a series of T-shirts for Unwrap Volume 2 with Jordan Brand. Mm. And so one thing about the, the Jumpman logo, to this day, you see the Jumpman logo, you automatically know what it is, just like the swoosh. Yes. And now with, with HB, you saw Hidden Beach, you knew it, it stood up for good quality music. Regardless hey. if you necessarily knew who the artist was, you knew we weren't putting out 50 records a year. And at the height, the most we probably put out in one year, honestly, was probably, man, I'd say four, if not maybe no more than five records a whole year. But the ones we put out, we took our time with them and we cooked them. And so think about Kendra's first record. Think about who is Jill Scott. Think about the first Mike Phillips record. Think about the first Jeff Bradshaw record that Jill happened to be on. Uh, Gerald Beasley, a great bass player. Think about... All those first records, the Unwrap first record, Volume One, all yes. those songs that were on now, and that first now,
0: Unwrap. Now let me stop you right here, Unwrap, okay. man. What man, Unwrap to me was the brilliantest idea back, starting back then. <laughs> oh man, it, it was, it was so brilliant, and man. <laughs> I,
1: can, I can tell you that the way the Unwrap series started, it was two producers, man, a guy named Tony Joseph, who unfortunately passed away a couple years ago. And another guy named Daryl Ross. Daryl is still living. And these guys, man, the crazy thing, what we tried to do with what we wanted it to be, we wanted it to be called almost like kind of, and paying homage to Ninth Wonder, who samples a lot and is really educated people all across the country with his teachings at Harvard, Duke, Central, all over the country. He's a dynamic speaker. But the education of where samples came from. And that's kind of what we wanted it to be, a sample collection of people that sampled Jeff Lorber, people that sampled different artists cooling the gang, uh, people that sampled Summer Madness, all those original Jeff Lorber, where Little Kim sampled Crush on You, mm-hmm. that fanatic who's from Greensboro produced. But guess what? We couldn't afford to publish it in writings. So what we ended up doing was like, man, how can we come up with a way that we can still come up with a series where instrumentalists could be playing original songs, but since we were replaying everything, we didn't have to pay so much. They still got publishing and writing, but not as much. And that's where Unwrapped came from.
0: Man, that was a Literally, genius.
1: Tony, <laughs> Tony Joseph and them did a demo that they happened to be good friends with Patrice Russian. They happened to be good friends with Everett Harp. They happened to also be good friends with Paul Jackson Jr. And those people helped them on the initial Unwrapped demos. And on that first Unwrapped, to this day, man, me and Mike Parker, who was my... Brother, that did a We both were huge Tribe Called Quest fans, and one of my favorite, favorite <laughs> Tribe songs to this day was "Benita Applebaum." And so, on every if you go back and look at probably the first four unwraps, every unwraps it was a it was a it was a Tribe Called Quest song. And and me and Mike Parker were blessed to not only do A&R, but on I think it was Volume Two, "Electric Relaxation" was on there. And this was when you really had a song Well. If you anybody can. And anybody that, want, that thinks I'm lying, go do go check liner notes or go to AllMusic.com and look it up. Me and Mike were blessed to do background vocals
0: on, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on.
1: Electric Relaxation. <laughs> so, hey, I had one time where I had my puffy moment. Me and Mike Parker did a r We helped do marketing, but on and guess what? And and featured on that song was the great Jeff Lorber. Oh so wow! I can always tell people. And if you hey, and the beautiful thing is, anybody go to go to Apple Music or, or Spotify or wherever you stream music, and put in Unwrap Volume Two Electric Relaxation, and background vocals are by Charles Whitfield and Mike <laughs> Parker. Wow. And to this day, a matter of fact, when I get off the phone with you, I'm gonna literally put on Electric Relaxation, and I will post it on my Instagram and Facebook. And I will tag you. Um, okay. Demetrius, <laughs> I know we follow each other on uh, on Facebook.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm going to tag you when I do the post. I'm telling you, within 20 minutes after me and you get off the phone, which shows you one thing I love about Music Now is almost like instant gratification, which sometimes can be good and sometimes can be bad. Yeah, yeah. But tonight it's going to be good when I get off the phone with you. And also, as you talk about Fubu Ray, another one of my good friends and he can tell you I hope you definitely had him on as an interview because he can tell you how we grew up. Cause his two brothers are, are very responsible for me being in the music business as well. And that's my good brother William McKee. Oh and yeah. His older his older brothers Kenny and Tony helped. <laughs> I mean, I'd be in their basement. And man, them dudes, man, Cameo, man, <laughs> man, um Slave and man men at work. Man, I learned so much over their house. Me and William be in the basement trying to play nerf. Nerf hoops and man a playing Atari and them dudes will be playing music, man, the brothers Johnson and just turning us on the music, man. And big it, shout out to my man William McKee, well, you, who does you, you great know, work in the community.
0: You know, William connected us. So you you remember. I know he did. Yeah, when I first when I first, I when I first yep. create cause I created an online station in 06, and yep. you all had an event, I think it's a wrap up from the um, golf tournament. Yep, we
2: did. Um, yeah,
0: we met then, and two man. What I what I want I really want to say this, <clears throat> and one reason I really want to interview you, <clears throat> excuse me, is because I, I saw how much work you did, and I see how much work you do, and I see how humble you are. But I really don't think you get the hum that you need. And again, I really believe that we have to do it while people are still above the ground. And I want to tell a story, man. When I first met you, you know, okay. uh. You know, I was telling you about Fubu and da da da. I was telling you how oh, uh-huh. man the clothing line. You said, "Man, yep. I'm faithful to Jump Man," <laughs> and stuff like that. But you gave me that that day. You gave me your number. You said, "Hey, uh-huh. call me." And uh-huh. you know, from that day, I think well, this had to be '09. Now I'm see probably '09. So okay. every time from '09, if I had something, I call you. You always take my calls, take my emails, and the the one year I think you all was selling Hidden Beach, you know, mm-hmm. came mm-hmm. to you with an idea, and you didn't shoot the idea down. You you was mm-hmm. like, you know, we don't have no room in our budget for it, but you should A, B, C, D. But now you got to watch out for blah, blah, blah. blah. And you really, mm-hmm. every time I come to you, man, you always show me love. You you always, you, you give me some nuggets and stuff like that. And I just want to thank you, man. And no,
1: I appreciate that.
0: And one thing, like even your brother, right? I started putting two and two together. I used to do a thing called the bridge uh, uh-huh. with my nonprofit. And uh-huh. we used to do it at Tuscana's. And you when I was going through the my old email list, I was like, it said Fred Whitfield. I said, wow. I said Fred um Fred Whitfield used to come and this is the guy who used to sit here and give me advice. <laughs> and I was like, and I'm sitting here looking, I was like. It's just so funny how how things come together, man. You and your brother, man. I think you know people. We 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 got to give you you all more respect because with you all, y'all don't have to show nobody no love. Y'all don't have to give nobody nothing back. But you, both of you all, man, y'all y'all have a great heart, and I just want to show you all both that respect and and pay homage to you all, man. And I appreciate everything you've done for me, man.
1: You know. No, no, I appreciate it, man. A lot of it comes from, and it's, as you see, it's, it's real. A lot of it comes from my parents, man. And even now, you know, this would be the second Thanksgiving or without my dad, man. It's, it's still, it's tough. And the the way we have a humble spirit, and I'm going to stop crying because my dad will be like, yo, tighten up, tighten up.
0: You got to be and, like that sometime, brother.
1: Yeah, I mean, the way... <laughs> The way we are is because of my parents. I mean, my parents were first grade. My mom's a first grade school teacher in Greensboro. And my dad worked in the postal service, you know, diehard nine to five workers. But they always made sure we didn't have for nothing and anything we wanted from playing basketball to, you know, the newest pair of cleats. You know, I mean, we thought we were rich. You know, I didn't know we were middle class because, you know, for everything we wanted, we got and And so. My giving character came from my parents. That's how we were raised. And, you know, one, I appreciate, you know, the props. And, you know, there's so many people in Greensboro that, you know, along the way, I, because I got helped. When we were started Hidden Beach, Attorney Charles Blackman was one of the first brothers that I talked to about the project. And he helped me then explain it to Fred. That they were law partners. But there's so many people I owe homage to that helped me along the way that the beautiful thing is what I'm able to do now you know, what I'm able to do, I'm able to help my friends that had a part of of helping me. I'm able to give back to them, whether, you know, for this year, for example, at my jazz festival that I do in Charlotte, each called the Queen City Jazz Fest. This year we had Michael McDonald, which was great for me. I mean, a huge Doobie Brothers fan, so it was <laughs> a blessing to have him. We had him. We had Gerald Albright. We had Jonathan Butler. We had a young artist named Such. But then over the course of the time at Hidden Beach, towards the end we did a record i'll be sure and then me and i gotten to be good friends and Al came and help co-host yes. and one thing i was able to do man we have a, a, a reunion group in where we grew up young's mill hickory tree Lane reunion and we we did a reunion this time last year for new year's eve in greensboro man a, a hotel off of um how point or battleground and what we said is like man we got to do more of these so we're not like you said we're, we're honoring people while they're living and and not at their funeral. And this year for Jazz Fest, I said anybody in the Hickory Tree Lane uh, group that wants to come down for the Jazz Fest, I can't give you a VIP up front ticket, but I give you a lawn ticket and you'll be in the <laughs> building. And I promise you if you come, and I, I set them up with a hotel, Hotel, we had a hotel, um, Crown Plaza. And I mean, man, we had over 25 people come down from Greensboro. Wow, I and saw the picture. It was, yeah, yeah, and I it said. was their way of. And William, William came down, you know, it was their way of almost telling them, telling me, man, we're here to support you. They came down, spent money for the hotel rooms. Nobody was asking for no free. You know, I say, hey, I'll take care of your ticket. i give you two. I'll give you two. I'm not going to give you four. If you need more than two, I need you to buy it. But I'm going to give you two. All I need is your name. And, and one of my friends, uh, Chris Brown, who is the brother I mentioned that used to help take me over to play at more gym, you know, they helped help. help you know, set it up. I had we had over 25 people come down, and what I told them is every year I do the Jazz Fest, they are more than welcome. And this year, when I'm working on the lineup now, and I can tell you as good as that was last year, when it, it was great, this lineup I'm working on now is gonna. Woo, when people hear this one, they are gonna be like, "Hey man, wow. you know, it's gonna be something special." But I mean, I always pay homage, and I'm, I'm the way I'm humble is because my parents they taught us no other way to be other than humble. And we, trust me, I know I'm blessed. And because I'm blessed and I have mentors, when I can say, you know, and I'm not saying it to, to, to be funny or boast, but I'm literally was on a group text tonight, texting back and forth with my brother and, and Michael Jordan. And that's one of those things that those are my mentors. And when I can say, you know, guys like MJ, guys like Fred, guys like Larry Miller, who is the former president of Brand Jordan, um, guys like Howard White, who's Vice President Jordan Brand, who helped Michael in the Nike. When I got guys like that that are my mentors, if I don't reach back and pay it forward and pull up young kids to help give them the way, I'm not right. And so everybody from, that's good, you know, Shelby, Shelby Johnson. Um, I remember every time yeah. I would come into <laughs> Antique. And it pays back to the late D DeSharie D. was one of the first people in Greensboro that I gave a sample of Jill Scott to. That's my heart day.
0: right there. They, yeah, uh, RLP. Everybody knew yeah. D.
1: so every <laughs> every time I would come home, I always had to go sit with with D. And whether it was Mike Phillips, unwrapped, I never forgot where I was. I almost like Anthony. I always knew I was from Greensboro, and to this day, I always sound from Greensboro. I'm never. I'm proud of Greensboro, and there's so many great talent from Greensboro. Whether it's a Shelby Johnson, you know, whether it's a, a, a guy like an Eli Davis, who like myself is a humble brother, like yes. fanatics. Yes. Um, like so many, the, the young brother that passed just passed away um, was named Dana. Dana Lucci. Yeah. I didn't even, the crazy thing was, I went to Dana's funeral and I didn't even know Dana because at that time I wasn't into music. I was playing basketball. So I didn't even know this brother, but I knew him through so many of the different guys. And the crazy thing is, man, I came in to pay respect to Dana. And this will tell you really how deep God can be, man. And if you don't believe me, all you got to do is go out to Maplewood Cemetery tomorrow. And if you think I'm lying, go out there. And, one of fact, I want you to go do it. And then come back and report to your listeners if I'm not telling you that God works in mysterious ways. So I end up having to come up for my brother's basketball camp. I had my nephew from Raleigh come up and go with us, to the, went with my daughter to the camp. And so my daughter wanted to go because she gives back. Her main focus on her first time going to camp was, can my cousin Miles come from Raleigh? 'Cause Miles hadn't been to camp. She's like, I'm going to camp and Miles can come and join us. So Miles stayed up here the whole week. And I had to meet his mom and dad in in, in Greensboro to return him the Saturday of Dana's funeral. And I took took him and dropped him off at, I think we met at Mount Hope Church Road, dropped him off to his parents. And I had enough time before Dana's funeral, I went to go visit my dad, who's buried out at Maple, Maple, uh, I think it's it's Maplewood Cemetery. I think that's the Cemetery on 29. I hope I'm not mispronouncing the cemetery. If I am, I'll get it correct. But I want to say he's buried at Maplewood. Um, Hmm. And long story short, as I pull up and to his cemetery, man, I'm seeing them dig a grave. Hmm. And I'm like, man, what if that's Dana's grave that they're building right there? And then when I go up, I see the jaws. Digging the hole, and I said, just you know, them not knowing me, and I'm walking to pay homage to my dad. I said, Man, if I can ask, who's who, who who's that the pass away that y'all are preparing their last final rest of the place? I said, Man, this well-known producer named Dana Lucci. Wow. And I said, Wow, how deep is that? Wow. As big as Maplewood Cemetery is, that cat could have been buried anywhere in the cemetery. Man, do you know Dana ended up being buried? two plots in front of my dad oh wow wow and i went when went and it's funny and not funny but after the funeral i didn't even get a chance to go out to the to the cemetery and i told eli i said the reason i didn't is because i was already there before he even made it to his final home and i didn't need to see his home because i know where it is yeah and the crazy thing was eli and uh and ski beast and a couple of them other cats went out there I remember hearing Eli said, Take two step plots back and you will see my dad. And sure enough, he texted me and said, Man, you're right. And when the next time I went to view my dad, man, Dana's uh, hadn't, they hadn't even put his plate out there, but on his grave, and it just started grass growing over, and it had Dana Luch. And I took a picture of it. Wow. And I remember, and I remember texting a picture of it to Fanatic and Eli and said, Man, how deep is this? That literally, Dana Lucci is two class wow. yes. in front of my dad, man. And that's that shows you, you can't plan that, man. You no, can't plan no, no, that. No, so every no. time, which and I didn't know the guy. I, it's funny, I, we knew so many of the same people. and my life, I don't think I ever, I'm sure I probably was at a party at Skate Station or or um, the depot or somewhere that he DJed, but at that time I was playing basketball because really, I didn't really even know Eli like that. And they had that. They had the group, the Busy Boys, and yeah. fanatic. But the crazy thing was, I did not know Fanatic as Fnatic. I knew Fanatic as Andy Heard, <laughs> which is his real name.
2: <laughs> yeah, AKA Fanatic.
1: And so, cause I was playing basketball, I was playing with with Trip and Trip Wellborn and Wyatt Smith and Freddie Barnes and and Mike Dearman and Dutley and you know all those guys. We used to you know p- battle basketball with. Man, I was a hooper. You know. And I wasn't in the – not that I was in the music, but I wasn't into the music scene like that. Like that. I yeah. was then playing basketball. I was trying to get a scholarship, man. And that's – because at that time, I still thought I might have a chance at the league like everybody does. <laughs> so I, wasn't, I wasn't so much in the, you know, going to little parties because they had a little group. Man, I was in the basketball. You know, mm. I was in the playing baseball. I played baseball up until high school, so I couldn't hit the curveball anymore. I ran track. You know, I was an athlete. And I you know, and to this day now I'm able to combine sports and music, and that's what if you if you think about it, all entertainers you know, want to be athletes, and, <laughs> and all athletes want to do something with music. And yeah. hey, to this day it works, and I was been blessed. But you know, big homage and respect to to Dana Lucci, man. But man, oh, yeah. he is he is guarding my dad, man, because he is yeah. two plots right. Lined up in front of my dad, man. Wow. And, and, Dan, and Dana, Dana, Dana Lucci is a good dude, man. Um, I knew a ton of people at his funeral. And I went yeah. to his funeral, and I sat with two of my classmates from, from uh, you know, Page or and Grims and Smith and Dudley. And then after that, we went to grab a bite to eat before I got back on the road to Greensboro. And like I said, I did not know him, but I did know him. And he, he, I knew him through all his friends. And it was great to see that church over there right off of Willow Road. I can't think of it. it What's up, uh, first
0: uh reverend yeah, brown yeah uh,
1: yeah no nah, i wasn't reverend brown's i can't remember it was off, right off willow rose right? one of them i can't think of the church but anyway it was packed mm. and i remember getting there last time and i went in and viewed him and paid my homage to him and man he's buried right in front of my dad man and at the end of the day that's nothing but god that's, oh, that's yeah. all it is yeah
0: yep. yeah now, you, now you, you mentioned and before we wrap up man uh you mentioned some key names uh um uh, no Eli. Matter of fact, uh, me and Brandon, we actually own the marketing yep. company together in yep. yep. uh, Greensboro. DJ. Yeah.
1: Yep. Uh, and his wife Nikki. And they yeah. and Nikki's Nikki's yeah. one of our, 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 our afternoon jocks on Power Ninety Eight. And so, you know, but then yeah. I see Brandon in there sometimes when, you know, he'll come in there to bring the little baby and you know, and, and sometimes he'll bring come to hand and bring the Hamilton's. And so yeah. at the end of the day, it's all family. And we've been great. It's been great to see Brandon do his thing and me and Brandon have stories a lot about fatherhood, and I told him, "I said, man, it's gonna be the, <laughs> it's gonna be the best job, and I ain't even a job. It's gonna be the best thing in your life, man. And just no, yeah. seeing him be, become a great dad, and you know, his his mom is Eli's sister, and yeah, it's funny. Me and Eli have a running, and his sister Sheila, we have a running joke, man, because they went to Grimsley, mm. and, and I went <laughs> to Paige. and I said, man, it's amazing that." A Grimsley Whirly and a Page Pirate are doing business together. We sit here <laughs> doing business together with, you know, Anthony. And, you know, we help each other on stuff with Knife Wonder. And we worked with Sunshine Anderson for a period of time. I said, man, it's great to see a Whirly and a Pirate doing stuff together. And I say, even though I kid them, like, I tell them <laughs> when, I, when I when I have to help write their, like, you know, the line of notes for Anthony, they can't read them. I got to read them for them, you know, you know, they're a little bit slower than that, and literally, me and Sheila, Anthony, uh, Anthony had a book signing down here a couple weeks ago, and Sheila came down and brought her daughter, introduced me to her daughter, and I explained to her daughter how the relationship is, and I said, man, I got to read the first three pages to y'all, because y'all, well, at least they read like that, you know, we Uh... crack back and forth, and it's all the good fun, but, man, Greensboro schools, you know, you know, my mom, like I said, my mom was a teacher, and I always pay homage and my mom was a teacher before it was one school system. When she was teaching it was Greensboro Public Schools, Guilford County Schools and High Point Schools. It was three districts. Yeah. Yeah. Now now it's one. And so much respect to uh, you know, Greensboro Public Schools, you know, Gilbert County Schools High because they definitely helped raise us and you know, like I can say paying homage to to Fly Eli is what we call it. To Fly Eli. <laughs> one of the most humblest cats and man, he would give you the shirt off his back and I just love that brother, man. And when I moved from L.A. back home, he's like, man, you know, do what you can to help Anthony. People know he's from Charlotte, but really a lot of people didn't see him out in the community. And we helped start his big payback. Then we started doing charity stuff around CIAA. And, you know, we, we do charity stuff, go feed the homeless, go to the kids' shelter. But at the end of CIAA, we'd have a party. And the first year we had a party, we had him with, I think it was Jazzy Jeff and um, Jermaine Dupree and – so we celebrated that, too, but we gave back. And once again, like I said, that's part of what we do is we give back. And, you know, i am definitely been blessed. Like I said, what I can when I can say, my mentors range from, you know, from, from MJ to my brother. And, yeah. I mean, you always said sometimes, you know, not always feel we've gotten the props that we deserve or all that, which, you know, that's, that's not for me to say. That's for everybody else to say. But I'm content. My stomach is full because at the end of the day, the people that really know, they know. Yeah. And that's all that matters to me. I, I honestly, know, I'm not going to say I don't care, but anyway, I really don't care because at the end, my friends and family, they know what I do. And believe me, I can jump on, I can jump on, I can jump on my iPhone every day and I can listen to a Mike Phillips song. It was great. And Mike is one of the best live musicians, period play with Prince Stevie, you know, play music, you know, with Michael Jackson for their, their stuff they did with him. And I play, I've been around the best and I've what. Stevie Wonder and I've just been blessed man all these you know I've just become friends with um Kim Brewer who sang a lot with Stevie Wonder and yes. Byron Miller Byron Miller who's a bass player that played with um you know Luther and George Duke and Byron was a brother that took me to uh meet George Duke I was in I was in LA for two days and man he took me to Duke studio and I'm sitting there talking to George Duke and then Ten years later, George Duke works on a Jill Scott song with us, and then mm. I'm back in his studio, and I'm like, "Man, Mr. Duke, I remember coming with Byron, and and now I'm back, and me and Jr., who was the producer, we went over to George's house one Saturday afternoon, and 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 uh, Mr. Duke cut his parts for us in about an hour, and I to this day, man, I got different versions of George Duke, and you know, rest his soul. so I got different versions of him playing on Jill's song of stuff that we didn't even use. That wow. I knew it one day, man them demos are going to be priceless. Oh, yeah. And so it's, it's those kind of things, man, that, you know, like I said, I've never been a rah-rah guy that I got to get, you know, when I played basketball all the way through high school at Page, I was a point guard. And so my thing was yeah. I actually got more satisfaction in addition to Trip Wellborn or Wyatt Smith or or Michael White or Nathan Duggins. Those are my teammates from my senior year. And I got way more satisfaction in giving them an assist than scoring. But don't get me wrong because I tell my daughter I could score. my high was was 32 so don't get it twisted i could i could put it in the hole but i got way more satisfaction out of dishing it to triple Wyatt and us putting that D on and it's funny like now on on, because of social media the guys that i was able to play against like a freddie Barnes or like a a michael dearman guys that you know gary falls guys that were greensboro legends when i played um you know ron johnson you know Mm. we used to you know, but now because of social media, we're all friends. And, you know, and Mike Derriman may post a picture when he scored on us at Dudley, but then I go leave a comment like, "But hey, that was a good shot, but who won?" You know, and we go back and forth, and it's friendly. To this day, we still competitors. <laughs> hey, I ain't played. I ran up in court in probably ten years, and I won't. I play your horse, but man, say we go say back else but think, and but <laughs> that. Hey, that's the beauty of of, of the social media, man. We can post the pictures from when we were high school and, hey, they can post something. I said, yeah, that was a nice shot. It looked good. But if I recall, I think we won. <laughs> <laughs> you know, And we have a lot of fun and joking kid, but all jokes aside, man, I love those guys because to this day, Michael Dierman has kids that all came through my brother's basketball camp. And literally the camp was I was I literally just came back from Miami yesterday because I went well, this morning. I was down there yesterday because Kevin Graves, who was like my little brother at, at Page and his brother Spence was my age. Kevin's now managing Bam Adebayo for mm. the Heat. And I went down and the Heat happened to play the Hornets last night. And I flew down to take one of my clients down to the gang who lives in Miami. And after the game, Kevin took me out to dinner. And, man, Kevin wouldn't let me pay for anything. And wow. I tried to pay. And before, <laughs> man, he had already paid for the meal before we even got, before we even ordered. Because he knew how I was going to hire him. And so guys like that, man, that first thing this morning, if you go to my Facebook page, Man, Kevin was literally dropping me off. And if you think I'm lying, go to my Facebook page Kevin, or my Instagram. Kevin was dropping me off at the airport at 4.30 this morning after we hung out till about 12.30. Wow. But he was right there picking me up, making sure he hand delivered me to the airport so I didn't have to get an Uber or a taxi. And that's what Greensboro does, man. And I'm proud of what Kevin Gray has been able to do because he's giving back to so many people there in Greensboro, the kids, whether it's John Newman Jr., to his son, Ty, who plays is Central, to uh, Jordan Perkins, whose dad, Reggie, helped raise me. Man, it's always a cycle, though. Guys like Paul Swan, who mm. played at Grimsley, who used to take me to play basketball with Chris. And to this day, I used to kid Paul. Paul used to have a black escort. And he said, man, how you remember the car? I said, dude, I rode in the car so much. <laughs> How to, you know, and you might have to beat this. How the hell could I not know what kind of car you drove? <laughs> it was a, it was a Ford Escort. Did I sit in the back seat? And we went and played basketball all over, over Greensboro. So how could I forget the car? And to yeah. this day, when he talks about Kobe White, who's now playing at Carolina and played at Carolina now in the NBA, man, Kobe's cousin is my best friend, Darren. So literally, Kobe and them played here at, at, in Charlotte this past weekend, and man, we had a
2: yeah. real tough
1: loss. They beat us at the buzzer, man. But and he... at the end of the day, man, I told me and Olivia was standing in the back hall because where we get, fortunately, where we are, on tickets, we were able to stand back there and congratulate the players. And, you know, literally, Olivia was like, let's go back there and, and be there so when the players, when we win, and, man, they scored at the buzzer, man. Those players were rocking off instead of congratulating, man. We had to tap their hand and tell man, get them next time. And then wow. we end up waiting for Kobe, and she likes Kobe because of the hair. And literally, she <laughs> said, man, she said, I want to meet Kobe. And we met Kobe and she got her picture with Kobe. And I I mean, I was able to post it and just to see, to to surround my daughter with like that, that she can now look up to because she literally does love basketball. Kimba was her favorite player. And then she said, Man, Daddy, who am I going to root for now that Kimba's gone? And I said, You know what? It was a blessing to, to get to know Kim and his mom. And her last two birthdays, her gift was her last present for her birthday when she turned six and seven was a picture with Kimba. Wow. And that's all. That was her last present. And Kimba's mom, who Mom Walker, you know, her used to sit right beside us. And I text Mom Walker and said, "Hey, this is Olivia's last present for so, for year six and year seven, And a matter of fact, I'm gonna go in and post the picture with Kimba and Olivia from this year's birthday, as mm. well. So now I got two things to post. I got to post the <laughs> electric, the electric relaxation piece. And for all your listeners, please comment on them. You know, go to my page. I'm gonna tag Demetrius Brown on both of them and. He'll have him on his page. And it's a picture with Kim and Olivia. Yeah. And it's a picture with, uh, and then I, it's a picture I'm going to post. Also, her picture she just took with Kobe White. And you know, Kobe's a rookie, yeah. And she said, man, and Kobe had over 200 people come down from his hometown. And, and that's I what blew video. my mind, bro. That, yeah, hey, I, I saw got, it. I got footage. <laughs> I, I got footage, <laughs> And then when he walked <laughs> out, they like, Kobe, Kobe. I said, as bad as I hated to lose that game, man, <laughs> it wasn't that bad because I saw Kobe and a man, my, and my daughter at at, at at seven years old said, "Man, Kobe's pretty special." I said, "Yeah, he is, man, and he can get it done." Yeah. And so it's great to see young guys like that continue to keep the NBA alive, and, and guys like Kobe, but guys like the new Hornets. And it's funny enough, I told I told uh, Olivia, I said, "Man, whose jersey do you want for Christmas to replace Kimber's? And I, you know, we got a, a, a good the young guys, and you know, we're taking some lumps, but we knew we were. But Devontae Graham, who spent a lot of time up there in Greensboro last year. Uh, Dwayne Bacon, who spent mm, time yeah. up in Greensboro. But Biles Bridges and, and and you know, but the crazy thing is, funny enough, do you know whose jersey she said she wanted? Who's And it surprised me. Terry Rozier. Oh, wow. And, and she said, Scary Terry. And women, <laughs> that's who came over from Kemp and Kim was traded. And, and it's crazy. My daughter knows the game that much. She might never score a point in her life. She scored one at, at camp this year, but guess what? She she may be a cheerleader. She may be the. I, trust me, she she's a. And I'm not saying it to be funny. She's a very pretty young girl. So if she ain't a cheering, some little boy gonna be wanting to try and take her <laughs> to watch the game. And uh and but she 'cause she gonna know the game. She already knows the game. And it so surprised me. And she said she said, you know why I want scary Terry Jersey? Because he's the new leader. He's the new point guard. Wow, and she wow. said, and she said he wears number three because on the back of his jersey says Rosier the Third, and I mean this is a seven-year-old putting them kind of you know analogies together, and I was like, wow! I, I came home and told my wife, I said you won't believe whose jersey. I thought she may want Devontae's or Miles Bridges, who she has Miles' poster up on her wall from her Uncle Fred's camp where we gave that away, and it's on her door right now. Mm-hmm. So literally, she really is my daughter because she loves music, and she loves sports. Her favorite mm-hmm. artist is. She loves Ariana Grande. Who I took her to see her perform. and But she likes Jill and she likes Mr. Anthony. I can put on amen. And her and Anthony are born. They're both Aquarius. Anthony's birthday is uh, January uh, 29th. And Olivia's is January 31st. Oh, wow. Wow. And they get along great. And she calls him Mr. Anthony. But she knows amen. And she sings it. I was like, I said, truly God. We got it right at the hospital because the, the daughter that was supposed to come home with me definitely came home with me <laughs>
2: because
1: my daughter looks just like me. Twins. And she, likes, <laughs> and she likes basketball and music and and sports in general. We were sitting there, and she took golf lessons at in school. And fortunately, I, I'm good friends with Harold Warner III, who's on the PGA, and Harold sent her some clubs. And so, you know, she does not remember Tiger when Tiger won those championships. But guess what? When he came back and won the Masters this year, she was able to see Tiger win the Masters and see the Tiger that we grew up seeing. And wow, so it was a wow. beautiful thing. And so literally I said, man, I thank God every day, man, I could care less. If anybody knows what I've done hitting beach wise, man, which is great. Don't get me wrong. I'm proud of as hell of it, yeah. but cannot compare to the joy of being that little girl's dad. And I'm blessed to be Olivia's <laughs> dad when <laughs> That's good. they're like Olivia's dad and just like hey, I'm absolutely all day every day and so that's a blessing and so yeah. Lily you and
0: we, know and we watched her grow too man I mean oh, yeah. we, nah, we, we, we watched nah. her grow and I never met your daughter but if you look at the pictures it's like she have a radiant on her man you know I watched oh, yeah. the video when she... she was tapping the um when she was um, cl- tapping the players hands when they were coming yeah. out and yeah. it's like everybody just glow when they see Rose. her man
1: yeah, and she has. I mean, Lily, man, it's it's and it's it's, it's dude. I, and I can tell William next time I come see you, we're gonna have to get some drinks. Do you drink at all? I know you might not can say that, say <laughs> yeah and nay. But man, I, you done yeah. got me crying twice on this show, and and man. Man, it's nothing like because I see my dad so proud upstairs because he's like, man, that's man. what I'd be doing, and now my granddaughter is doing it. And literally, yeah. she knows the players. I'm dude. She knows every one of the players. And Lily, it's funny, Kobe and Caleb Martin, who are the two new twins, man, she asked me and my sister-in-law at the game the other day, and I said, where did these kids think of this? She asked me and my sister-in-law at the game, because she said, man, Caleb and Kobe, she said, I wonder, I wonder if their mother can tell them apart. <laughs> and she said, she said, at home, I wonder if they have to have different clothes so their mom can tell them apart. Because the hair is just like, I said, where do you get this from? Because, you know, when they're on the court and one plays a little more than the other, and they like, I wonder how coach knows which one to call. <laughs> and I said, that is a very good question. And I'm like, what do you think of this stuff? You know, and she's right. And I mean, those dudes are identical twins, man. Wow. The way the hair is, I don't even look at them like, and one is number 10 and one's number 11. And I told them, I said, I went one game so far already if they switch jerseys. Because I promise you, Coach Varego would not know the they difference.
0: wouldn't know the difference, yeah. <laughs> but, it's,
1: it, but she thinks of stuff like that. Like, I wonder if they mommy can tell the difference. And I said, man, I hope she can, but maybe she can't. Who knows? You, 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 know, you know, know, but. Your mommy's but got her, that instant
0: love, though. So, you, yeah, they, man, <laughs> but exactly. But just
1: to see her want to tap the player's hands and, you know, and that was the game where um, Malik Monk hit the game winning shot. Mm. And as they were walking out, just like it came back the next week, that's how sports is. One week earlier, we were all going crazy because the league hit that game-winning shot at the buzzer, and then the next week, it happened to us. That's sports. Yeah. And yeah. then, like, I'm excited tomorrow night because going into the holiday, they played Detroit. So Olivia mm. didn't have school tomorrow, so she's literally going to be hanging with me where um, she's going to go by the, the little shoot that we got with Mr. Anthony. So I'm telling you now, everybody, if you want to follow me on social media, you know, I'm at... Charles W. Channel IG and Facebook Charles Whitfield. Tomorrow you will see Olivia with Anthony during the day. And then tomorrow night she's going with me to the game. And she's gonna have her harness gear on and we're gonna enjoy the game. And that's what Thanksgiving is really all about is being thankful. And I'm thankful that anytime and when, when Olivia was little, she used to go to me with me during the game during the week. But now that she's older, Olivia don't wanna wake up like most kids. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so my wife says, Man, Olivia can't go to the game. You know, during the week, but from Friday on, she can. And so, anytime it's weekend games, she, there. she goes with me. And I mean, she loves tapping the players' hands. She knows. I mean, she knows all their names, from the num the best player to the to the Martin twins. Who I want I'm not gonna say they're not the best players, but you know, and youth and you know, experience from the rookies to the Marvin Williams, who's the, probably the vet on the team, the Nick Batum. She knows every player's name on the team. Mm. At seven years old. And I'm like, you know what? She's my daughter. And literally when y'all see me get this Terry Rozier jersey for her for Christmas, she said she wanted And how ironic is that? She went from Kimba's 15. Her last jersey she got was Kimba's All-Star jersey. It was the last jersey she got. And she had Kimba's All-Star jersey and a Hornets Kimba jersey. And now she said the next jersey she wants is scary Terry Rozier. And the crazy thing is at some point, because of where you know, because I am media, I'm always in the back with the players. When I get that jersey for her and Terry, you know, I've met him a couple times. seemed to be a very nice young man. I'm gonna get a picture when I her Christmas present. When I get her the jersey, the first game I take her to, we are gonna wait after the game and I'm gonna get a picture with her and Scary Terry and be like, <laughs> Wow, that's wow. the jersey she and, and she's calling him Scary. Noah's his nickname. She's Scary Terry. <laughs> And when she said that's who she wanted. I was like, what? And I was like, wow, that shows what I know because I was gonna get her a Devontae jersey. Cause I like Devontae and how he's playing. And she said, Nope, I want scary Terry. And I was like, you absolutely got it.
0: So you 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 know what's so what excite me about this this interview. And this interview, it went away, it went away that I didn't expect it to go, but you know. What you're doing, so you're you, you inspiring other men right now because uh, other other men, you know, they they want to do these things. and But I'm, I'm going to tell them, man, you paved your way. Other people helped you pave your way, but you worked your dream, you worked yeah. your goal, and you got and, in a position. And guess what? And guess <laughs> what? I earned it.
1: Yes. I, it went hard work. Don't try. Don't get it wrong. And nobody in what I do, and I learned this from Mike Phillips. Me and Mike Phillips, from the first time I met him, he is one of the hardest workers I know, and that's mm. why he's one of the best saxophone players that I know on the planet. But guess what? He also knows I work hard. So just like he's giving it, he knows I'm getting I can. Man, me and him can sit and talk at three, four, five in the morning. Me and Eli talk three, four, five in the morning. If you don't believe me, just go look at our our, our postings. And
0: Oh, no, nah, I believe, yeah. You, can't, you yeah. can't
1: cheat the game. You can't cheat the game. Either you know <laughs> it or you don't. So the first time I met George Duke, I'm in there calling out his engineer, whose name was Eric Zobler. And George looked at me and was like, man, how do you know Eric's name? I said, because I'm a liner note junkie. I study liner notes. How do you know who Paul Jackson Jr. is? How do you know who Byron Miller is? How do you know who Paul Ejio DaCosta is? Hey, mm. I'm a liner note. How do you know that Kenny G played in Jeff Lorber's band. And how do you know that um, Eric Benet, Karen White, all played with Jeff Lorber, Art Porter? How do I know? Because oh, wow. I'm a liner note junkie. I'm sitting there naming them. I'm telling you. And everything I just told you, trust me, you can go look it up. And it, you know why? I studied liner notes. I studied producers mm. from Mays. I studied Rod Temperton, Heat Wave, to... Stuff he did from a star of a story. I studied that stuff. So
0: so so what, then, so what you're what you're saying? You know, if you're gonna be in something, if you're gonna do something, you got to you, you got, got to you study. Got, it.
1: <laughs> you can't change. The, you can't cheat the game. And yeah. when you look at MJ, MJ, I used to play in his summer camp in Chicago, at his camp, and when we would go scrimmage, he'd have his Chicago Five, and the Chicago Five would be myself, my brother. Two of my brother's friends, Bill and Bob Martin, who Bill Martin um, has passed away, unfortunately. um, No, Bill is still living. Bill's going to get me on that one. His older (laughs) brother, his twin brother, Bob, passed away. But Bill's the coach of Winston-Salem Reynolds. And those were our five. It would be me, MJ, Bill and Bob, and Fred. And that's who we play at MJ's camp. And I remember when Tim Hardaway was coming into the league, Tim was from Chicago. And Tim came out there to play. And to this day, and I can give you some, it wasn't no tape, but I was in Tim Hardaway's grill. Didn't, he didn't know who I was. He was coming straight out. Might have already got guarded. Might have got already dropped. Man, I was in Tim Hardaway's grill. And I can give <laughs> you guys that will verify it. I didn't make wow. it to the league. Tim ended up becoming uh Olympic guy, one of, the, one of the great guys, man. But that day, because I was on MJ's team playing with my North Carolina boys, man, I was in Tim Hardaway's <laughs> grill. Tim did not know who I was, but by the time he left, he still probably didn't know who my name, but I know he was like, man, that little point guard that played on MJ's team wasn't bad. He was in my grill. And wow. that's and so to be blessed, to be on the court and see how the GOAT worked at it. When you see the best and you see the work ethic and you see how Kobe Bryant studied MJ's tapes and you see how you can't take shortcuts and you see the hard work that my brother Fred has put into being the president and vice chairman of the Hornets. Yeah, he's yes. MJ's guy, but guess what? He earned everything he got. He's, nah, he put a, some
0: work my in. My nah, brother, my nah. brother has
1: a master's. My brother yeah. has a master's degree in business and a law degree. So guess mm. what? Can nobody question anything my brother's gotten? Because guess what? He earned it. Yes, yes. And so hey, the, you can't cheat. You can't cheat the work. And so I always made sure I put in the work. And you know, when I tell Steve McKeever how you know I I, I stalked him, I did stalk him because I wanted him to be my boss. And now I can I can text Steve right now and say, man, I just and the one thing I got to get from you, man, is I have got to get this interview. Oh, you have it. got <laughs> to have it because this this yeah. is uh, this was some good stuff. And I mean, yeah. you know, literally, you called me and man, I forgot we were doing it tonight because I declined the inter- the the meeting request by accident, and you text me ten minutes prior and unfortunately, like, are we still good for eight? Man, I I hadn't even forgot, but guess what, Tommy was right. And, and man, you,
0: you know what? And, and I, I was like, man, I was like, maybe something came up. And you know, because I was going to let it go, then something in my spirit said, man, text him. Text him. Yep, I'm glad you did.
1: Because <laughs> guess what? If you wouldn't have me or called me, we wouldn't have had the interview.
0: Yeah, yeah. But
1: because you did, man, we got something that's great. And I mean, we pay homage within this interview to my dad, which is yes. great. Yes. To to DeSharie. Yes. Which is great. To yeah. Dana Lucci which is great. Yes. (laughs) You know what I mean? So just even in that, to the late Art Porter, to the Mm. late Joyce Duke. Wow. To Al Jarreau, who was a great lover of his music. I got turned on by my brother. So, I mean, think about it, man. We pay homage to people. We have some fun. We laugh. Man, you made me cry twice. (laughs) Uh, Man, this hey, I ain't heard many of your other interviews, but if you got any better than this, (laughs) I want to hear them because... We got something I mean, literally you called me right at eight o'clock. Man, I'm looking at my I'm looking at my um clock right now above my TV. It is nine twenty. Yes, yes,
0: yes, yes. And we well, stopped
1: talk nonstop. But one thing you can tell in my voice is you can hit a passion
0: yes, that I yes. have
1: for the business. And it's the passion. And I'm passionate about it. And you know, at the end of the day, you can't cheat doing the homework. And that's why I've been blessed to, you know, work with artists like Jill Scott, but Brenda Russell. DB Wanis, um you know brian mcknight through certain things mike phillips <clears throat> jeff bradshaw mm. um you know marcia ambrosius natalie stewart yes mesa bluey from incognito will downey um marion meadows norman mm. brown jeff lorbert gerald <laughs> gerald albright jonathan butler byron miller um all of these people are friends of mine, man. I'll yeah. be sure. Tony Rich. Tony Rich Project, um, man. One that... of my good, good friends, man. <laughs> Tony, Tony sent me a text out the blue the other day and said, man, see, I just want to thank you for your friendship, man. Out the blue. And wow. Tony, in, Tony, in addition to being a great writer and musician, man, he's a painter. He's a photographer. There's so many different things that people do outside of taking pictures. I mean, I mean outside of being a musician, that you wouldn't know unless you really know. But, man, Tony is one of my good friends, man. Every time I man, Tony was living in Atlanta, but he was doing music back and forth in Australia. And I would go to Atlanta. Tony would let me stay in his condo, just leave me the key at the concierge. Wouldn't even be there, man. And that's what's been the blessing of, man. All those artists I named, and I ain't saying it once again to be funny. I'm saying it because I know them. And, man, Asian fatigue from Kendrick. And now it's kind of crazy because, Asian 15, their son's getting into music. So now I went to a showcase they had here in Charlotte about a month ago that their son was at. And their first record, man, their son was six years old. Wow. And Mike Mike Phyllis's daughter, when I when got married, man, she was, man, man, three months older. Now she's a junior in college at Howard University. My niece um, was, um tonight was about her age. Now she's a, a junior at Winston-Salem State. You know what I mean? And so... One, I got to give back to them because guess what? My niece, tonight is going to be mentoring my daughter, Olivia. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> and so if I'm not mentoring her, then she ain't going to be able to mentor Olivia the right way. You know, yeah. so at the end of the day, just how Olivia saw how me and my brother took care of my parents when my dad got sick and my mom. And at the end of the day, she saw how we, regardless of how busy we were, my brother's very busy I am too, as many days we were right up in the hospital with our computer and phones doing work but we were sitting in there and we were there for my dad and so at the end of the day when he passed away yeah it was sad but guess what i'm content because we did everything we could for him while he was here in those 87 years and literally a week later when i had my car accident which was a whole other topic we didn't even get into really we touched yeah. on a little bit but <laughs> if it wasn't for dad and god i could have passed away because unfortunately and prayers to the gentleman and his family and i can say his name because i've gotten to know met his wife and daughter. I was in a car accident with a, a brother named Eric Dalton. And mm. unfortunately, Eric was traveling at a high rate of speed on a motorcycle as I was leaving my dad's cemetery. And we had an accident. And I hope, I, it wasn't like, you know, I didn't see him. And I mean, truly, we had an accident. And his wife got to know me once again through Facebook, through her friends that told her about me and that I had a, a I was a dad to Olivia. He had a kid. And, you know, we set up, even in our a court proceedings, we end up coming with a settlement and she said in court that she didn't want me to suffer because she knew I was a good dad to my daughter. Wow. And Lily, wow. I sent I sent his daughter a Christmas card and a gift certificate. Because guess what? If I passed away, mm. I wanted him to do the same to my daughter. Wow. I wrote his wife a thank you card just saying I'm sorry, not that I admitted guilt anything, but just saying, I'm sorry it was an accident. I knew people that knew him. And from all accounts, he was a good guy. His name was Eric Dalton. And so here I am paying homage to him. And this is the guy that hit me that he could have killed me. Wow. It wasn't my time. And because it wasn't my time, I still got work to do. But unfortunately, I had ministers tell me that it was his time, either fortunately or unfortunately. depends on how you look at it. And to this day, I pay him respect, and I was in a – a wreck where it was two of us in it and one of us passed away. So, I mean, that's part of my life. That's never going to change. Every morning I wake up Mm, mm. and think about that car accident. When I see a motorcycle on the road, I kind of twinge up a little bit. But guess what? I still got work to do. And I know I do. And that's what keeps me going. And unfortunately, or fortunately, it depends on how you look at it, Eric's work was done. Yeah, Yeah. You know? Wow. And at the end of the day, I literally today got read the settlement from my attorney on us selling everything and and literally today about an hour and a half before this interview and that's Mm. real talk and you guess what you can't plan that no you can't and and, and that's nothing but once again nothing but God and so like I said I don't know how many interviews you're done. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they I do a guy. lot,
0: yeah, but not hey, like this. Yeah, This yeah. one's gonna
1: be a different one. Yeah. Like I said, I, I want to copy this one, and y- I want to play this for my brother. I want my mom to listen to it. And you know I the want funny my thing? To listen to it. Yeah.
0: The funny yeah. thing is this: this interview right here is the kickoff. To my podcast, I had to get away from the music piece of it because mm-hmm. our people need help, and we need to hear other people's stories to get us mm-hmm. to get us ahead so mm-hmm. so, in the midst of starting this interview right here, it was for the radio. Your spirit is speaking to people out there, man, and we're going to a win a time of holidays. I said this today on air. I said mm-hmm. I know a lot of people have lost loved ones, but yeah. I don't Damn. want you to be nowhere sad or depressed, but think about the good things that that loved one would
1: do or the good uh, uh, the, the things am I, am I, and move. My, <laughs> my dad loved Thanksgiving, man. Mm. Loved it and loved to eat and <laughs> loved to eat and sleep and watch football, <laughs> what everybody did on Thanksgiving. And, you know, like I said, man, this is going to be the second one that we, we, we have without him, but he's here. And I truly believe that in – I mean, he showed his face because a week after we had had his funeral, as I'm leaving his cemetery, like I said, I know my dad, he was a comedian. I know God came to him and said, hey, Mr. Whitfield, I got a question for you. Your son was just in a car accident down in Greensboro, and I got a question. Do you want him to come up here and join you, or do you want him to stay down there? And my dad told God, I "says God, man, I ain't been up here but a week myself.
0: <laughs> Keep him down. I do
1: not know my way around. There is no way in hell. I had a boy up here, and he asked me to do stuff for him, and I don't even know what I'm doing. (laughs) And he still got stuff to do, and his wife and, you know, Olivia, they wouldn't want – it's not time for – he still got work to do with them, so please let him stay down there. And, I mean, between God and my dad, they covered me that day. And I know that without a doubt, and I'm totally aware that – I mean, he gives me signals every day that he's okay. And he'll do something – it'll be something that'll remind me of auntie, something that'll remind me of the wine greens, girl – something that reminded me of the church when dallas and washington play he was a huge (laughs) redskins fan i'm a huge cow i was a huge cowboys fan this is prior to the panthers coming and cowboys Cowboys, i'm a cowboy fan (laughs) yeah yeah exactly i went he was a redskins fan so we used to go at it when back in the day before it was the panthers and you know the cowboys and you know that robbery it don't matter the records don't matter and so you know truly he's here he's here and i'm looking forward to the holidays i got to I'm gonna have a good day tomorrow. Starting the day off doing some work <laughs> with Anthony, and and then tomorrow night take Olivia to the game. I'm able to live my dream, and I'm not I'm not no multi multi millionaire. I don't I don't claim to be. My brother my brother's one, and he's earned it. And my brother yeah. we, in diff- we in different we in different financial categories. Fortunately to say, and I named him my daughter's godparent. him and his wife. So I told Olivia. <laughs> I said, if something happens to your daddy, guess what? I'm going to upgrade you to first class. <laughs> I said, I know that. Some people don't even know, know their godparents, so i mad they don't even like them. <laughs> Olivia, I said, if something happened to me or your mommy, you're going to get an upgrade, not a downgrade. You're going to get an upgrade. Love so she's upgrade. Loved by everybody. <laughs> and, you know, truly, I'm very proud of my brother. He's just getting a big honor from the city of Charlotte. And next week, um, the, mm. the citizen of the Carolinas that I just posted, on my Instagram tonight and I'm gonna probably post it on Facebook tomorrow. And like me, Fred's humble man. Sometimes I and he's one of the few that's not on social media. And sometimes he can tell I post something about him because people will hit him and be like, yeah, congratulations on that. Well how'd you know?
2: Because he posted.
1: <laughs> and so he knows, you know, I'm never gonna post nothing that ain't nothing but good for him. And you know, I posted on my IG today about him getting his honor and I'm gonna post it on his Facebook tomorrow because he is deserves it while he's here at the end of the day. And I mean, all the hard work and stuff he's done and all the stuff he's giving back to all the kids, you know, with this basketball camp and all of that, you know, it is, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And so that I'm, I'm definitely proud of him and can't wait there to be there to support him next week and and see him get, as you said, his flowers while he is here.
2: Oh yeah. That's
1: what we tried to do with my dad while he was here is make sure we told him we loved him and we thanked him and, and, Up until the day he died, we did give him we gave him his roses while he was here. And every time we go to Greensboro, we put them roses on flowers on his on his grave and he knows we still care about him and and that we love
0: him. Now, Charles, a lot of people say Michael Jordan don't give back to the community. You and I know that's not so. What are some of the events or outreach programs? you experienced firsthand.
1: I just came back from Miami last night. I took a client down to the game last night. The team played, the team got, the Miami put it on them last night. Bam had <laughs> 21 and 15. But guess what? At 11 o'clock this morning, the entire Hornets organization was out there feeding Thanksgiving meals. And guess where that comes from? The leadership up top in MJ. Wow. So when you got him from the top out there, and you know, I didn't see the pictures today. MJ might've been there today. The I don't know how... You know, I hadn't seen the pictures, but I know Fred was there, but the whole team was there. But literally um, at 11 o'clock this morning, they were feeding homeless with their partnership with Food Lion. And, um, you know, from Michael to Fred to James Jordan to Mitch Kupchak to Coach Varego and all the players, Mm. they were all out there serving. And that's where that comes from, the leadership up top and. You know when you saw the hurricane you know michael was quick to be one of the first to donate a million dollars yes went down and did cleanup in wilmington where he grew up his hometown and he was there not the team he was there and so when they see you know people talk about so many things michael just dedicated two hospitals as a yes. part, of two hospital clinics yes. as a part of novant hospital who's another one of their hospital partners so at the end of the day when you talk about the greatest of all time In my lifetime, he proved it on the court, but now, guess what? He's proven it in life.
0: I would like to thank Charles Whitfield for sharing his story with us from his good times, bad times, from the tragedies and his near-death experience, and to now being back on top of operating in his purpose. To comment or give feedback, please email me at dbrown at demetriuslbrown.com. And I want to thank you for listening to my podcast My Passport to Success.